any Christian who says, I interpret the Bible literally, you're missing most of it. If you interpret the Bible just literally, you won't get a lot of meaning out of it. From Wrestling with God Productions, this is Life Lessons from Jesus and the Church He Founded. Welcome to the podcast where we explore the history and traditions of the church Jesus founded and unpack stories from the Bible as we seek to understand God's purpose for creating us and his intentions for our lives. I'm your host, Irish McMahon. Our guide for the journey is a guy who loves exploring and deciphering sacred scripture in order to reveal the wisdom it contains. He's Irish Catholic priest, Father Len McMillan. In this episode, he describes the challenges of accurately interpreting the Bible and reveals what it takes to understand its full meaning. Here's Father Len. The problem is, like, when normal people speak, we use a mixture of literal, figurative, you know, that's how human beings speak. So the Catholic Church doesn't interpret things just literally. We'd say, you know, there's three levels, literal, symbolic, and contemplative. So the problem is, is that the Bible, I, you know, you couldn't interpret the Bible literally because 50% of the Bible is poetry. How would you interpret poetry literally? You can't. And that's not including like allegories and all that other stuff. Or when Jesus teaches, he teaches in parables. And they say, why do you teach us in parables? And Jesus basically says, because I want you to think about it. You can't interpret a, a parable literally. So that just doesn't make any sense. And like atheists love to mock religion in the Bible by always interpreting it literally so that they can mock it. But we Christians never interpret it just literally. Now, often fundamentalists, evangelicals, say they interpret the Bible literally. But as I said, that's impossible. Have you guys ever seen the movie? It's a great movie, a theological movie called uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, in it, there's a character named Drax. He's kind of one of my favorites. But Drax can, can only interpret things literally. So he's often missing the point of every conversation. And the point being is, any Christian who says, I interpret the Bible literally, you're Drax. You're missing most of it. And what are you saying? There can't be truth in poetry? We'd say the Bible is all true, but we'd say there's many ways of interpreting it. Plus, we'd say you have to interpret it symbolically, and you have to interpret some parts literally. In Greek, the New Testament written in Greek is very sophisticated, more sophisticated than English. And in Greek, if I want to say something that you can only interpret literally, there's a way of doing that. So Jesus, when he says, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, when he says about the Eucharist, do this in memory of me, that's an emphatic, literal statement that there's only one way you can interpret that. You must do this. So we'd say as Catholics, well, there's many ways. If you interpret the Bible just literally, it won't make, you won't get a lot of meaning out of it. So, like, take the gospel about 
Peter walking on the water. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. After he fed the people, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and precede him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already miles offshore, was being tossed about by waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came down toward them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once, Jesus spoke to them. Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened, and, beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let me just explain the gospel symbolically. So, the first symbol is the boat. The boat is a church. So Jesus in the gospel is always getting in and out of Peter's boat. So you're sitting in the boat and we are traveling to heaven. The sanctuary, that's heaven. Uh, so boat, heaven. So think about it. They're in the boat and the wind and the waves, it's literally beating the boat. It's persecuting the boat. Believe it or not, the church was meant to be persecuted. So, yeah, the boat is getting persecuted, and Peter is commanded to step out of the boat. Now, just think about this. His name means rock. You're asking rock to... It doesn't sound well when rock tries to step on water, right? But he does with faith. Now, most of the time, Peter is pictured as a coward, because he is. But that's not the point of this gospel. The point of this gospel is Peter is brave. And think about what this is saying. You have this storm, and Peter is kind of amazing, because Peter is called out of the safety of the church, the boat, to walk on water. That's brave. And so Peter got out of the boat. Now, if the boat is a church, Peter, faith gets Peter in the boat. But once in the boat, the faith of the church allows him to step straight into violence, to walk straight into the problems and violence and all the, the anger of the world. The boat doesn't, this is, this is the main point, the boat is not supposed to keep you just safe right in here. The boat, your faith in the church, you're in the boat so you can gain faith so that you can head into the problems of the world. You don't hide in the boat. The rest of the apostles, God bless them, they're hunkered down in fear. You don't use a church to hide away from all the problems of the world. 
In the church is where you gain the bravery to face the problems of the world. And so think about this. Like, for the first 300 years of our religion, we were persecuted. When Jesus is crucified, he, yeah, he has the 12 apostles and he has about 150 other disciples. So from a little group of 150 plus 12, within a few years, even though they are constantly persecuted, uh, the church expands to millions in the Roman Empire. And people were converted the way Christians had bravery. And so think about this. What happens when, the, like, a child is baptized? At the door of the church, before we bring the child into the church, what is the first thing we do to that child's heart? We anoint the child's heart for bravery. So think about this. If you're going to have faith, your faith is supposed to make you brave about the problems. If you hide in the church away from all the problems of the world, the church simply becomes a prison, not a place to hide away. You are anointed for bravery. That's what your faith is, to do impossible things like walk on water, face the problems of the world. So think about this. If I just interpreted this gospel literally, all you would get is, well, Peter walked on water. It says nothing about what you're supposed to do. The meaning is in the symbol or the reading about the prophet. The prophet, at first, he thinks he knows God and he is ticked off. He is angry at all the problems of the world. So he starts yelling and screaming at people and you're going to burn in hell and you're going to burn in hell. Don't you even start. And then he's depressed. He's so depressed. Anger and depression to me always go together. He just wants to die. That's when God sends him an angel, gives him the bread of the angels, this bread from heaven that gives him such strength. He walks 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb. A reading from the first book of Kings. At the mountain of God, Horeb, Elijah came to a cave where he took shelter. Then the Lord said to him, Go outside and stand on the mountain before the Lord. The Lord will be passing by. A strong and heavy wind was rending the mountains and crushing rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a tiny whispering sound. When he heard this, Elijah hid his face in his cloak and went and stood at the entrance to the cave. And the prophet, he thinks he knows God and he can chew people out. And he goes, and God is not in the firestorm. God is not in the earthquake. God is not in the wind. God is not in these destructive power. What it says is, he hears God in silence. How can you hear the voice of God in silence if you interpret the Bible literally? So the Bible is not meant to be. So the point being about that whole thing, he thinks he knows God. So here's the question. Where's Mount Horeb? Mount Horeb is Mount Sinai. One side of the mountain is called Sinai. The other side of the mountain is called Horeb idea why there's two sides is this. You think you know God? Wait 20 years, and then you'll find a whole different side of God you've never known before. That 
really, religion is not about anger, huda, cubes. Maybe religion is teaching you this impossible thing of hearing God in silence. You have a lot more to learn. If you interpret the Bible literally, that, that passage makes no sense. So for us, we'd say, no, we interpret the certain parts literally, but you have to interpret it symbolically if you want the word of God to tell you where to go. Okay, so another one. It says in the Bible that Jesus had brothers and sisters. Well, once again, going with literalism, remember, we as Catholics, we put great effort into studying what does the Greek original language say, or the Hebrew. And what it says is that Jesus had a Delphos. And what a Delphos is, it's all over the Bible. A Delphos is not siblings. Siblings, we mean, were blood relatives. So a Delphos could be anybody in my circle of love. Cousins, could be brothers and sisters. Cousins, second cousins, it doesn't mean siblings. So, it says Jesus had Adelphos, or early Christians would call each other brothers and sisters, not siblings, Adelphos. So, yeah, we take the word serious. And also, remember, Jesus on the cross, he does this weird thing where he says, behold your mother. He legally adopts, it's a Roman way, you, if you're an only child... When you die, you can legally adopt your mother to somebody else for them to take care of. So when he's on the cross, his last act is to legally adopt his mother to the apostles. So she is the mother of the church. You can't do that legally if she had other children. So anyhow, we'd say, no, we take the original words really serious. Any Christian who says, I interpret the Bible literally, you're missing most of it. If you interpret the Bible just literally, you won't get a lot of meaning out of it. So we can get so much more out of the Bible when we go beyond a strict literal interpretation and recognize and understand the symbols it contains, like the boat that symbolizes the church. And when we study the meaning of the original Greek and Hebrew words that don't translate so well to English, like the word Adelphos, and when we place these words in context of the time in which they were written, really makes such a difference in getting the full understanding of the Bible. Good stuff from Father Lan. Thanks for listening to this episode of Life Lessons from Jesus and the Church He Founded. We hope it gives you some ideas to get a more complete understanding of the Bible. And if you're enjoying the podcast... Please leave us a five-star review in your podcast app and click subscribe or follow so you'll know whenever we publish a new episode. And we welcome your comments and questions. It's easy to get those to us. You can just shoot me an email. My address is irish at www.productions.org. That's irish at www.productions.org. Or... Text or leave me a voicemail at 208-391-3738. That's 208-391-3738. This podcast is created and distributed by Wrestling With God Productions. Our theme music is composed and performed by Jake Einick and Kevin Barnett. The lifeblood of Wrestling With God Productions comes from generous donors who support our mission. Now, it takes lots of time and money to design, record, edit, distribute, and promote the podcasts we create. 
If you've benefited from one of our podcasts, please consider making a donation at givesendgo.com slash WWG Productions. That's givesendgo.com slash WWG Productions. You'll find a link to this site in the show notes below this episode in your podcast app. Thanks for your support, and thanks again for listening. See you next time.